This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chet. Seven. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, thanks for coming along for the ride this evening. Of course, you can always text us at 6.30-6.30. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Always great to interact with you guys. A very interesting time of year with McDavid coming back tomorrow. I mentioned some football news today, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. New coaching staff for the Edmonton Eskimos. A couple of guys had already been announced, but they filled in some other holes. Uh, I talked to Baron Miles, former CFL defensive back, who will now coach the Eskimos defensive backs. Caught up with him today at Commonwealth Stadium. And uh, Morley Scott will hop on as well. And you can always go to the Oilers and Eskimos pages on 630Ched.com for more of those details. We have video there, audio, all that kind of fun stuff. So what will be fun and some good reading for everybody, I, I guess later this year, is a, uh, a book coming out by Marty Klinkenberg, who's been covering the Oilers for the Globe and Mail. And uh, first of all, a large focus of his writing on Connor McDavid. And he announced, uh, I believe, on Facebook over the weekend, as we bring in Marty, that, uh, yeah, this, this, this book is indeed happening. Marty, first of all, thanks for your time. Good to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Reed. I appreciate you uh, you asking me on. I I always enjoy uh, listening listening to your show in the evening, and I especially love it on the night uh, on the nights that Oilers that the Oilers play. And one of my favorite things is to is to listen to the fans calling in after the games, and uh, to hear them uh, so excited when the Oilers win, and. Uh, you know, and so uh, completely uh, overwrought when they lose. I just, I just love, love listening. It's great. It's great when people are excited, and it's great theater too. Yeah, well, it, it is, and it's uh, that, that's. I think that's why people like sports. It is a black and white world, right? It is the it is the win or the loss, and and that's one thing I found interesting, Marty. I mean, I thought that that game they played, I guess, about three, two and a half, three weeks ago now, in San Jose was one of their better games of the year, and they lost in a shootout. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that shootouts are random, but it's not always a reflection of what happened in the game. And Rob and I got texts like, well, same old Oilers, same loser team. And I was like, if they win that game in a shootout, everybody's ecstatic about how, how well they played. So, yes, that, that is a fun experience. It, it's been fun for you. Uh, covering McDavid, and you've already been through some ups and downs. First of all, let's talk about the newspaper assignment a little bit first. Uh, 
Okay, sure. Now you uh, were uh, you were basically sent. I mean, you aren't here if the Oilers don't win the draft lottery. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be uh, covering the Oilers. That would be fair. Yeah. Okay, so you are on. So do you tell people you're on the Oilers beat or you're on the McDavid beat? I kind of tell them. I kind of tell them. I kind of tell them both. Um, but I mean, really, primarily my assignment when the season started. Well, way back before the season started, actually, uh, I can give you a little bit of back of the backstory. But going way back, my my assignment here has been uh, from you know from before the a little bit before the draft was to kind of follow Connor McDavid and uh, and chron- you know chronicle his first season in the NHL and not so much the um you know the the day by day game things but kind of incorporate incorporating doing broad, bigger picture stories kind of around him and the Oilers and Edmonton and that sort of thing and and what originally happened was the sports editor at the Globe and Mail I, I had worked with her previously at another newspaper uh, way way back and she and I knew each other her name is Shauna Richer and uh, Sean and I hadn't spoken to each other for, you know, for a number of years, really. And I, in fact, I, I didn't even realize at the time that she that she was the sports editor of the Globe and Mail. And so in March uh, of last year, uh, she said she sent me an email and we co- we kind of reconnected. It was just a collegial thing. And we're catching up, and she sends me an email, and she tells me that she's a sports editor at the Globe and Mail now. And I thought, oh, well, that's great. And I was a senior writer uh, at the time for the Edmonton Journal, not covering sports. and But my background goes back to uh, sports writing. And so Shara and I talked for a couple of weeks, and, and it's, we're just, you know, catching up, you know. And uh, And suddenly, you know, the conversation sort of turned to, well, wow! Wouldn't it be great if we, you know, if I could get you to work for, work for me, and <laughs> with her being the boss, right? And I said, I said, oh well, wow, that would be great. You know, it's the Globe and Mail, it's a national newspaper. Um, what a what a great thing! So we were trying to figure out a way, uh, some sort of a role for my to pl- for me to play. And so we had kind of we were kind of talking around and talking around and around. There wasn't really a job there, right? So. We're kind of talking about uh, about well, how can we how can we make this work? And um, and originally the plan at that time was for me we had to figure out a way to do it. But I was going to move to Toronto and become a, a national sports writer. That was kind of what we were talking about. And so then the you know we had to figure out a way to make this work. And uh, it was it was a little tricky. There wasn't a position open. Blah blah blah. So we're still kind of still kind of uh, trying to figure out what the game plan is and how I'm going to end up working for them. And then on the evening of of April 18th, I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm and I watch the uh, the, the uh, NHL lottery draft, <laughs> and the Oilers win win the lottery. Right. So. <laughs> And she is at home. Shauna Richer is at home in Toronto, and she's watching it on Apple TV. So she's a little bit on a delay for me. And I send her an email that just says Oilers, you know. <laughs> and she, she and she calls me and she says, "Are you kidding me? I haven't seen it yet. The Oilers won." 
And, you know, and we were kind of, I was, I was just kind of thinking like everybody else, you know, well, you know, geez, these guys are the luckiest bunch of guys in the world. And, and uh, within about 10 minutes, you know, she said, okay, I'm brainstorming. And the thing about Shauna uh, that, that people may, rem- may remember or they'll put together here is that when Sidney Crosby came, in, came into the NHL in his rookie season, Shauna was the reporter for the Globe and Mail that covered, that covered Sidney Crosby's first season. And she ended up writing a book about him called The, called the Rookie. So she had this background, you know, of, of, of having something, of doing something similar. And, um, you know, I think it was fairly successful for her. Now she's the boss. And, you know, she thought that this was an opportunity to, re- to recreate that. So, so that's how the whole thing kind of, uh, kind of came about. And I, you know, I, I'd worked for the journal for, for three years, and they'd been wonderful to me. Um, but I looked at this as an opportunity, and, uh, and I did it. And I started to work for the Globe and Mail uh, the first week of June. And really, my first assignment then was to cover the NHL draft. Right. You know, went to Fort Lauderdale and covered the NHL draft, which is where we, and we met. And I've been, been right. following them since, following okay. Connor and the Oilers since then. L- let me let me ask you this, Marty. Marty Klinkenberg joining us on uh, Inside Sports with the Globe and Mail, working on a book about Connor McDavid's rookie season. Let me ask you the cynical question here, Marty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How yeah. are you going to write a book about the kid's rookie season when basically half the season <laughs> was was wiped out by by an injury? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I well, first of all, um, you know I, that night that he that Connor was injured, I I mean, you know, I'm sure that all, all of us that were you know that were at at the game and and the fans that were there and all the all the fans, you know, that were watching the game on television and hockey fans in general watching the game in Canada, and the United States, you know, I, I think there was like this collective you know, crash that went along with Connor, right? And so he so he's injured and I remember that that, you know, I'm there's lots of things that I can do, but that but that was my that was essentially, you know, um, you know, what I've been what I've been doing for for quite a while now, since January. I mean since June. And Connor goes down and my initial reaction of course was, Oh my gosh, that's that's way that's that's too bad because he was off to such a wonderful, you know, a wonderful start. And then, you know, it didn't take me too long sitting there to think, oh, now what in the heck am I going to do here for a while, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so at the same time that that occurred, I mean, I had been talking to publishers in Toronto, um, you know, uh, about possibly doing a book. So then I had this third thought, um, and that was, oh, good God, now what's going to happen, right? I mean, that. Is anybody going to really be interested in somebody writing a book about a player that may be out, you know, for a significant part of his first season? Um, and so it, you know, it, it took a few. Uh, it took a took a bit. I I went to Toronto and and met with uh, met with a hand, with uh, four different publishing companies, and was very fortunate that Simon and Schuster. Uh, was very, you know, was quite interested, very keen in the story. And we, you know, we went ahead and it took a little bit of, you know, negotiating and and figuring out precisely what we were going to do. But 
uh, I signed a contract with them last week, and um, we're and they announced last week and uh, toward the end of the week, Thursday or Friday, I think kind of through literary circles and things like that, that you know that they were that they're doing a you know that we are in fact doing a book. The, the working title for the book right now is um, is called the McDavid is going to be the McDavid effect. Um, and but it but it's that was kind of taken from a story that I wrote a headline on a story that, that appeared in the Globe and Mail. But it, but I think you know unless you know somebody uh, comes up with something smarter than that, it kind of does fit fit the story about Connor. And because you know he's changed, he's certainly uh, taken Edmonton by storm, and and has the ability to uh, you know has is having an effect on the on the city, yeah. you know, on a long you know a long established hockey franchise, um, a team that that has seen better you know has seen better days and is you know has been hoping for for much better for a long time. And, uh, you know, so there is – Connor has an effect on all of those things. So yeah. that's what the working title is. All right. The, you're, you're right, though. It, it, it is a challenge, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, the, what the fun thing kind of about this is, is that he was off to such a wonderful start. And I think that people got a taste of, of what a great – of what a, what a fantastic hockey player he is. And that you know he's he truly did immediately look like um, you know certainly Crosby esque and and you know maybe maybe uh, Gretzky esque I don't know but but certainly uh, like a like a fabulous player they kind of got you know their appetite was what had been whetted in that first 12 games that he played and, and that 13th game people are excited about him. The injury was an infor- was an unfortunate thing that happened with him, and, and uh, you know, I nobody, of course, would have wanted to see something like that. But I think that people are going to be just as excited, if not more, now with him re- returning tomorrow night, um, because now they've seen what a great player he is. I don't think there's too many doubts. Uh, you know about his ability, and so I think that this all kind of it, it makes it a, a you know, and then we'll see what happens from here. Uh, the, you know, the, the next thirty games, but uh, I mean, I think that it it really creates a very fun and interesting, and even even better, you know, not at the expense of an injury to somebody like that. I'm not I'm not suggesting that, but yeah. it certainly makes it a uh, you know a much more dramatic story. Now that he's suggest, suggest, you know, uh, has has had a serious injury, surgery, and you know is returning to you know a pretty violent game, uh, violent sport, and I think that <laughs> I think that tomorrow night there will be you know sixteen and a half thousand people in the arena, along with his teammates and you know coaches and, and a national TV audience that you know the first. The first couple times he gets uh, he gets hit pretty hard. I think there's you know people are going to be uh, are going to be pretty nervous. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be an exciting night, but it's one that's going to be tanks uh, well. tinged with a little bit of angst. <laughs> Well, hopefully, well, hopefully your yeah, hopefully your book only includes one uh, one portion of uh, 
<laughs> of, of him being for it. All right, so the McDavid effect is is the working title. M- Marty, it's been great getting to know you a bit, and obviously I'll still be seeing you around the rink, but thanks for making time for Inside Sports tonight and giving us uh, some insight on, on the work that you've been putting into this project. Okay. That's really cool. Okay, thank you so much for asking. Uh, I, re- I really appreciate it, Reed. Right on. That is Marty Klinkenberg checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, so McDavid's going to have a book about him. Won't even be 20 years old. Pretty cool. He's back tomorrow night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. we got to take a quick timeout. It's 7.22. We'll get to some news of the day. Uh, a little bit surrounding Brett the Hitman Hart. A little bit about a scare for the Denver Broncos today. And uh, no hockey games. We'll check how the Raptors are doing too. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Can Cam keep it up? He's been very good since the middle of December. 32 games left for the Oilers, uh, only three back-to-backs, including this weekend when they play the uh, Canadians and then the Islanders. They play the Islanders on Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, the games will not overlap. Could Talbot play, what, 26, 28, 30 games? Could he play that many? We'll see. That's going to be one of the questions for me. 724 Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Your scoreboard update brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. The NHL schedule will resume tomorrow. The Toronto Raptors trail Denver 2018. Three minutes left in the first quarter. Whoa, 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 whoa. 21-20 Toronto now. Oh, they just hit a three. Hit a three. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, Canadian professional wrestler, says he has prostate cancer. He'll undergo surgery in the next few days. All the best to the Hitman. Uh, We had the Farmers Insurance Open wrap-up today at uh, Torrey Pines. Brant Snedeker hanging on to win. Shot a 300 par 69 today. Or pardon me, he shot it yesterday. Rain delayed, hung on to uh, win today. How about this? The Denver Broncos working out today, preparing for the Super Bowl. The buses, the Broncos buses involved in a minor accident following their practice at Stanford Stadium. A team spokesman says nobody was injured. Outside linebacker DeMarcus Ware tweeted a photo of players standing alongside the bus. He posted, to keep the day interesting, we have a small wreck. Looks like everyone is okay, though. Oh, and another NFL note here. Thursday Night Football will air on both CBS and NBC next season after agreeing with the NFL on a two-year deal. CBS and NBC will each air five Thursday matchups in 16 and 17, increasing the number of games on traditional broadcast TV from 8 to 10. They will also be simulcast on the NFL Network, and uh, the NFL Network will still televise eight games exclusively. All right, so a little bit of football up to date. Uh, More Super Bowl talk later on in the week. Connor McDavid today was asked if he has uh, any concerns about getting injured again. Remember, hand injury last year in junior, clavicle injury this year with the Oilers. Well, the doctors wouldn't let you play if if I wasn't 100%. So I think you just got to keep that in the back of your mind. You know that you've done everything possible to come back and and be 100% healthy again. So um, I have uh, nothing but faith in the doctors and 
you know, they, they were telling me when it's safe to play, and they say it's safe to play, so, you know, that's, uh, that's what I'm doing. Connor, you took a couple of bumps out there as well. Um, how important is that physicality and practice, uh, and how significant was it for you to know that your game was? Yeah, definitely important. Um, you know, I actually asked Jordan because he came back from you know, not the same injury, but something you know similar, I guess. So, I asked him how he was he was coming into his first game, and he said once you get that first bump out of the way, you know, you get a little bit more confidence in it. So, um, definitely just trying to draw on his experience, and you know, after taking a couple of bumps, you know, last week in Bakersfield and, and this week uh, or. In, and, and today, uh, I feel a lot more comfortable than I did, you know, two weeks ago. All right, so that is McDavid ready to rock and roll tomorrow against the Blue Jackets. Just a couple of texts I want to get to here. Johnny says, uh, how great will Everly be with all the focus on McDavid? Thanks for listening tonight, Johnny. Ken says, this is a good one, if the Oilers make a deal before the summer with every team knowing it is out of desperation, it would be like going to buy groceries when you're hungry. You usually spend too much on a bunch of stuff you really didn't want or need. That is from Ken, who is in favor of the Oilers not doing anything until we get into the summer. We will talk to Rob Brown about McDavid's return, about his line for tomorrow night when we get back. We also have some Eskimo stuff ahead as they have hired a coaching staff. Still a couple positions that might be filled. Then again, they might not be. Jason Moss could uh, double up and coach one of the positions as well. That's still ahead. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Back after the news. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, 7.33, Oilers hockey in this time slot tomorrow. Back with another edition of Inside Sports on uh, Wednesday. Oilers game on Thursday when they start a road trip taking on the Ottawa Senators. The uh, Oilers... What do we got here? 19, 26, and 5. What's your record there, Matthew? 10, 12, and 1. Yeah, that's pretty good. I know. Great. So, Kellen, uh, what, 9, 14, and 4? Yes, sir. All right. You know, you're doing better. Kellen is really the problem. He is. I, I, I those games. Forget about the players. It's Kellen Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's trade Kellen. Can we trade El uh, Kellen for Hamannick? Uh Trade the ops, eh? Trade the ops. Trade the studio producers. There we go. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. That's also how you can reach us tomorrow night after the Oilers game when I co-host Overtime Open Line with this gentleman, former NHLer, and a man who, in 1986-87, racked up 212 points in a single Western Hockey League season. It is Rob Brown. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. That's still the WHL record, is it not? 212? It is. It's coming up on 30 years now. It's been a while. Well, and see, that the the thing was, people look at that now and say, well, that, that could never happen. There would have been guys who played after you, and probably into the early 90s, it was still pretty high scoring, that some good players that might have had a shot at that record. Yeah, there there were, and I, I mean, in my era too. I mean, it was Joe Sackick and Theo Fleury and Trevor Linden. There was a ton of very very good hockey players. I think Ray Ferrero, I believe, owns the record for goals. I think he had 108 a couple of years before I got there. 
So there, there was there were some skilled players back at that point. Now, it, it's obviously much harder now, as you're seeing in any league, whether it be NHL minors, junior, <laughs> and younger. It just the game is played differently, and so the the chances of it being broken anytime soon probably not, unless they start making rule changes or or something along that line that allows the offense to come back again. Yeah, uh, Rob, of course, racking those uh, points up in eighty six, eighty seven with the Kamloops Blazers. You were drafted by the Penguins, 67th in uh, 86. You had a pretty good rookie year in the NHL, 44 points, 51 games. Your your big NHL season was 88-89. That's when you had the 49 goals. You just and Only 68 games, by the way. People should remember you missed 12 games that season and had 115 points. And was, was that not the year you were in the All-Star game right here in Edmonton? It was. I was very, very fortunate. I get to play in one All-Star game. It was in my hometown, so I had all my family. Tons of friends. Actually, I think it was, I don't know if it was called Galaxyland, I think it was Fantasyland. That's where I had the big post party for the for the All-Star game. So I had all my buddies in there on the rides for free. It was it was pretty cool. It was, it was a really, really neat experience that I was very fortunate to have. Were you in another All-Star game, or was that the only one in the no, NHL? No, I decided to decline all those. They didn't have the John Scott rule back then for me, so they, <laughs> no, I couldn't get fan-voted in. Couldn't get fan-voted in. Let me ask you, now, I did not see the All-Star game. I was flying back for my uh, holiday, so I got home. In the, I mean, I watched the highlights, and uh, you know, I watched the Taylor Hall uh, post-game stuff and all that. It, it, it seemed to be... Judging by by Twitter, where you can get a, a sense of some stuff now, it, it seemed to be something that a lot of people actually wound up liking, liking the format and liking that John Scott was there. You as an ex-player, a guy who was in the All-Star festivities, how, what did you think of it all? Well, I was one of the guys before, and that I I didn't know if John should play. I thought he would be miscast. I was worried. Uh, I thought it was you know it was put in as a joke and. Uh, and I and I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe he should bow out. And then I read the letter that he penned for the Players Tribune, and and it put a face on it. It it humanized him. And a lot of times, as as media and people, they you know trade this guy, trade that guy. This guy's awful. This and you never see the human part of it. You just see him as a as a player, as an asset or a liability. But when he wrote the letter saying, well, you know what? This is this is who I am. I mean, I get a chance to go here. My family's going to go, and I. You know, I, I, people are saying I shouldn't go. And then he says, the day that the NHL called me and said that uh, I may embarrass my daughters by going, so that's it. You know what? Done. I, I'm I'm going. And and then the, the 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 event for him, it was a John Scott coming out party. And now I'm watching. I've never been a John Scott fan. <laughs> I mean, the only John Scott things I've ever seen is when he tries to go after Kessel. Uh, but I'm watching this and and he's seeing his interviews and seeing the the. The standing ovations he gets, seeing the way the players treat him, I'm like, I'm cheering for this guy. I want him to get MVP. I want him to score. And actually, you know what? He looked not bad out there. He made, he scored two goals. One was a nice one, a really nice one. He made a couple great passes. He set up Pavelski, who should have scored in the game, the the finals. He was good. And when they lifted him up on their shoulders, I'm like, I mean, first of all, it shows you how strong hockey players are. They picked up a 270-pound guy on their shoulders. But it was like uh, everybody there was cheering for this guy. And he was, he was representing all those players, and the majority of the players in the NHL are not superstars. So he was representing all of those players there. And, and it was so cool. I liked the format. I mean, it was a real game. For the first time in a long time. I mean, the final was one nothing. They played 20 minutes of three-on-three hockey. It was one nothing, and not because 
they weren't trying because the goalies and the back checking, the defense work, it was it was fun to watch. So for the first time in a long time, the All Star game was a game, and I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the NHL did a very very good job. Well. You know, Rob, I, I, I'm glad you, you kind of took us through your process because Kelly Rudy was on last week, and he was very adamant that being an all-star is special and being in that game is special and that John Scott shouldn't be in it. And, and a, a counterpoint to that was, and now again, maybe this is a player media thing, a counterpoint to that, I had Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet on the show last week, and he said, let's stop calling it the all-star game. The All-Stars are the guys who are picked after the season, the first and second All-Star team. And why not just call it the fan game and all the players are voted in? And if they want to vote for the top scorers, fine. If they want to vote in just a guy they like because they got his autograph once, the, 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 then that's fine. And, and it, it probably is different for me too, Rob. I'm 42 years old, and by the time I was probably 16, I was, I was bored of All-Star games, right? So uh, I don't know if, if players would be irritated if it just became a total fan pick whoever you want and you might have a point of game player left out uh, I, I don't know because I don't see the all-star game as being that sacred in my mind I, I well see I I'm on the side that no I think it is sacred I think the players the people that play in the all-star game to me should be the players that are playing the best in that season and I think that that is you know here's here's your reward for being this good you're having a great year you deserve to come here and and have a few days and be a star for a couple of days. And it doesn't have to be the same players every year. It should be whoever is playing best at this time. Whereas this year, you know, Sidney Crosby's left out because he wasn't having a good year. So to me, it's it's a, a thank you for being good. At the end of the year, you do your all-star teams, yes. But no, I think it should be the best players. I think if going forward, what happened with John Scott next year, say it's oh, Matt Hendricks or say it's uh, something along those lines, then it'll lose its luster. The simple fact is that John Scott, he's his big enforcer that probably is never going to play another game in the National Hockey League. It was 11. But to me, this year was about John Scott representing all the other players that do their job. I mean, he's, he's an all-star fighter. There's all-star shot blockers, but it don't get uh, acknowledged because they're, just, they're not the face of the NHL. And if you start bringing those players, then I don't think anyone would have any... Uh, no one would really care about the, the All-Star game now. I think now people are caring because it's a game. Mm-hmm. And it's tough having an All-Star game. A baseball All-Star game you can have for real, simply because there's no physical contact. Hockey and football is tougher because if you really want to play it the proper way, well, you're, right. someone could get hurt. <laughs> right. So I, I, I like the fact that it's the best there. But this year with John Scott, I think it was pretty neat. And you really put a face on all the other players in the National Hockey League that don't get the notoriety because they're not the stars. All right, Rob Brown joining us inside sports on 630 Jet. It is 743. Rob, the question finally answered. McDavid's line mates, <laughs> at least for the start of the game. Uh, but I would imagine uh, that they're going to get a look here. Uh, McDavid centering Benoit Pouliot and and Jordan Everly. I, 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 I said... Last week when we were talking about this on Inside Sports, you know, because a lot of people wanted Yakupov there, but on the right wing. And I said, in my mind, Everly was getting the shot on the right wing. Maybe you could argue Yakupov over Pouliot on the left. But I, I, I wonder, I mean, a lot of times coaches put together their lines with pairs now, 
and then pick a third person who can compliment. Hall and Dreisaitl, at least for now, are a pair. I'm very curious, and I'm even excited to see what the McDavid-Eberly pair can do. Well, this is a line that we said. As soon as Nugent Hopkins got hurt, then we said, well, okay, this, this solves the problem. We know where McDavid's playing now. He's going to play with Eberly and Puglia, and that's where he should go. I think that if Nugent Hopkins would have been healthy, he would have stayed with those two, and McDavid would have been with Dreisaitl and Hall. So the injury allowed this to happen. Uh, Yakupov, uh, his play hasn't warranted him the opportunity to play on that line. He hasn't been good enough, not without the puck. So I, I think this is the right combination. Now, having said that, we've seen Todd McClellan. If things don't work, he's very quick to change, and he should. This is a team that has not had enough consistency in winning hockey games that until they do, uh, they're going to continue to mix things up uh, until they have success. So I, I think that uh, Jordan Eberle deserves a chance to play with him, and we can see what he does. And uh, I, I'm looking forward, and, it, and it's tough right now for Connor McDavid because all eyes are on him, and everyone's expecting huge things. But this is a guy that's been out forever. And it, as great as he is or could be, he still has to find his timing. And hopefully it'll come sooner than later. But this is... I mean, it's almost like Christmas again. All right, here we get to see this kid play again and get some excitement in the building, and hopefully the others can get off to a quick start after the All-Star break to make the the fans believe that there's an opportunity the playoffs are still in reach. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you and I, we, 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 that's... No, we, we don't have that belief. No. But you want, you, you want, and you want, but you, if they win three and they get within six points. Sure, absolutely. Then all of us, you can start believing again. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's not the points that they're out right now. It's the number of teams they have to jump. And I st- I'm sticking with my prediction. I said all along it would be L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim. And I said that when Anaheim was in last place, that I believe they were going to be the playoff team. And th- those, that's the team that the others has to watch because Anaheim is good. San Jose are pretty good, and L.A. is a, a very exceptional hockey club. So there's a lot of, lot of teams that they're going to have to jump over. But what the others have to simply do is play game by game and win this game, all right, now let's go to the next one try to win it. Well, that's true. I mean, it, it does, this does fall into cliche territory where it's one game at a time, and all you can do is chip away. And it's almost, I mean, Rob, if they're, if they're going to make the playoffs, and you and I both know what a big if that is and how unlikely it is, it's a point a week. I mean, that's really the best they can hope for is make up a point a week, right? And then by the end yeah. of March, maybe you're, you're in there. Well, and you say cliche, take one at a time, but seriously, that's what you do in a dressing room. You always do. And uh, they just go out and play a hockey game. And they don't worry. They don't look. You don't look at the standings. I've been in positions where you, you're fighting, whether it's for a division lead or you're trying to make the playoffs, and you don't want to look at the other teams. You just simply go out and win your game. Because if you don't win yours, it really doesn't matter what the other teams do that night. So it's just simple. And they've got a little bit of life right now because they got McDavid back into the lineup. And they can just hopefully take the energy and the momentum and the adrenaline rush of having him back out there and hopefully translate that into some victories. All right, Rob. Well, it's going to be fun tomorrow night. Uh, You know, on the marquee, it doesn't look uh, very good because it's 29th against 30th in the NHL. But McDavid being in action uh, changes that. And we're going to see Seth Jones as a Columbus Blue Jacket. And maybe John Tortorella will try to storm our broadcast location. Who knows? (laughs) Well, if he does, I'm going to kick him in the ribs. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness, go right for the weak spot. <laughs> I know where strengths and weaknesses are. Broken ribs still hurt. You done a scouting report, Rob. Thanks for your time that I've had. Look forward to. This. Oh, are you? Are you? Uh, are you in? A, uh, what's you're doing an alumni game on uh, Thursday? Yeah, on Thursday, Kamloops is hosting Saturday. Kamloops is hosting Hockey Day in Canada, and that's where I played junior. So on Thursday, they have a big alumni game. It's also celebrating. It's the 50th anniversary of the Western Hockey League. So a number of ex-Western Hockey League players are coming in having a big game. So buddies like Mark Recky and that will be there, and I'm looking forward to going and uh, going out. And hopefully they're all older and fatter than me so that I can still uh, <laughs> skate as quick as some of them. Ah, That's a great way to put it. Rob, thanks for your time tonight, man. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Sounds good. Take care, Reed. That is Rob Brown checking in tonight, our Inside the Game analyst for all our Oilers broadcasts here on 630 Ched and on the Oilers Radio Network. Great to have him on Inside Sports tonight. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Somebody text again, when is Kelly Rudy back on the show? He is scheduled to join us on Wednesday, so uh, we will get some all-star thoughts then if he changed his tune at all about John Scott being in the game. Uh, Jay Bueller says, I wonder who will play John Scott in the movie about all this. You know there will be a movie. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter today that apparently there are movie discussions. And uh, uh, Jay also says, I'm so glad Mick Ebbs is getting a chance to play. (laughs) Uh, DB says, maybe it becomes the job of the individual NHL teams to send their representative to the All-Star game. Yeah, that might be awkward if the team itself picked who went. I don't know. Joe says, hi, Reed. Do you think the Flames will make the playoffs? Well, Joe, my preseason prediction was yes. My current prediction is no. <laughs> but see, la- see, last year I picked the Flames to miss the playoffs. And they were doing well, and everybody was like, oh, you're going to be wrong, you're going to be wrong. Well, look how good they are. I was like, yeah, well, yes, they're doing good. I'm going to be wrong. I will probably be wrong again about the Calgary Flames. I guess I can't be right about that team. Quick timeout. Get to some more of your texts, some more McDavid clips from today, some of McClellan's thoughts as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Mark Letestu, number 11, retired by the Bonneville Pontiacs. Saturday night, Mark had a great AJHL career, went to the NCAA, made the NHL, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and now Edmonton. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 7.52. Remember, get all your Oilers stuff uh, on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Some Eskimos chat coming up as uh, well. Connor McDavid commented today on the Oilers' final 32 games and trying to stay alive in the playoff race. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I know I know everyone's excited in here. I, I think uh, I don't think anyone feels out of it by any means. Um, you know, everyone feels good after the break and um, you know, excited, refreshed and, and uh, ready to go here. So um, uh, I think all of us are, are feeling that way. All right. And uh, the full McDavid media availability today on the aforementioned Ched website. James has called in tonight, 780-496-0063. Hey, James. Hey, Reed. I hope you got my uh, text off the top of the show. Oh, bit of humor in there. I, long, long time ago. I can't anyway, remember. So, Sorry if I didn't read it. Uh, it's, it's all right. Um, I have a solution for the All-Star game. I like the, the three-on-three format, but I think what should happen is, uh, I don't know, maybe in like uh, 
halfway through November or, or beginning of December, either the GMs or the coaches or a combination should get together and submit a list of, say, 24 names and then let the fans vote on that group, like for, for each division. Well, yeah, the thing, I think regardless of how the names are submitted, I think the NHL has to decide either there are no write-in votes or just write in whoever you want and we won't complain about it. I mean, an easy way to do it is just say we're going to take the top three scorers on each team, right, or the top two scoring forwards and the highest scoring defensemen, and those are the only guys you can vote on. Or they just say vote on whoever you want and we will stick with the results whether you vote in John Scott, Johnny Goudreau, Taylor Hall, Connor McDavid, uh, you, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that the latter works. I think there has to be, like, uh, you know, because I don't think they want to repeat of this. The NHL. I mean, they dodged it, and you know, uh, like I said, uh, tongue in cheek, got away scot free uh, right. on this one. And uh, I just think it, it needs to be. Uh, there, there needs to be a, a, a pool of players that's selected by the league or managers or coaches or something, and then. Like I said, just have the fans vote on that group. James, did you watch the game? No, I listened to it. I was uh, at work. <laughs> I couldn't believe that on a three-on-three game there, there was a one-nothing game though for the for the final. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I couldn't either. I mean, like, I was just checked it on Twitter after I I got off an airplane, and I was like, what? That can't one nothing. That can't be right. That must be halfway through the game or something like that. But. Yeah, I guess they uh, they tried to keep the well, they didn't try to keep the score down on purpose, I guess, but they tried to play a little bit of little bit of defense for sure. James, thanks for calling tonight. Thanks, Reed. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Nick says I would love to see All Star voting allow one journeyman vote per division, with each team nominating their player, then fans vote for their favorite plugger. So. Dick says there should be one John Scott per team, assuming that they stick with the format for this year, where it's the four divisions playing three-on-three, three, which they probably will, given by how it sounds like it was received. So you're, I guess there's a, then there's one John Scott per division. I mean, and that's, an, I mean, for a while, remember... Uh, Matthew, I think they did it up until a few years ago. There was one commissioner's pick per team where they would usually pick an older player who'd been an all-star, maybe was in his last... Didn't Messier make an all-star game that way? You know, where they added a guy right before the game sort of as a thank you for having a great career type guy. Could they do the same type of thing? Here's a guy who isn't, quote-unquote, an all-star in terms of his offensive ability or ability to play goal... But here's a guy who's been a solid pro and a popular player who deserves this experience. Now, maybe it wouldn't be a John Scott type, but again, to, to talk about a guy who's being praised a lot in this city the last three or four weeks, Matt Hendricks. That, that's an interesting suggestion by Nick. Here's a, here's a guy who is an all-star, maybe not in his ability, specifically offensive ability, but he's an all-star in terms of his commitment, his dedication, his worth to his team and doing intangible things, his leadership, his shot blocking, maybe somewhat his fighting, his toughness, his grit, all those little things, right? This guy exemplifies all the qualities that we appreciate in a hockey player, even though his name isn't on the stat sheet a lot, 
So let's make a four spots for those types of players to be in the All-Star game. Or maybe a guy who's a career backup goalie could could play a little bit. I, I think that's a great idea by Nick because I, I do think, you know, Rob, Rob didn't agree. He said, okay, one and done with the John Scott type thing. But is, is there not – I mean, I, I think there is no other sport – that it, that celebrates that type of player more than more than hockey, right? There is no other sport that celebrates that type of player more than hockey. I mean, all all the praise that's being heaped on Matt Hendricks lately for for going through the pain and blocking the shot with his can and, and fighting in Florida. That's that would be like in football celebrating the sixth receiver on the depth chart who gets seven receptions a year. It would never happen. But in but in hockey, there's value to those Hendricks type players. So yeah, maybe each division should get a guy like that on the All Star team, the the feel good guy, the underdog guy, and he gets to experience that weekend, and he gets that spotlight on him because he embodies all those gritty, intangible things that we appreciate in hockey. Maybe that should happen. It is 7.59. We have the 8 o'clock news, traffic, and weather coming up. Might do a little bit more all-star chat later on. Morley Scott's going to check in. The Eskimos have a coaching staff. You'll hear from Jason Moss. You'll hear from Mike Benavides. You'll hear from Baron Miles, former star defensive back, now coaching the Eskimos defensive back. More McClellan and McDavid comments as well. Lots still to come in the final hour of Inside Sports right here on Oilers Radio 630 Chet.